Welcome to the Friars on the Farm podcast. I am your host, Roy, in a bizarro episode because my partner Donovan is on the road and he joins me via Skype along with our special guest, Katie Wu. Welcome, Donovan and Katie. Guys, thanks for having me. Katie, you're my neighbor right now. I'm about 60 miles east of you in El Dorado Hills outside of Sacramento. And you're in, are you in San Francisco proper or where are you? I'm like right in the middle of Sacramento, San Francisco in this little town called Vacaville. Um, it's, it's not very special. Um, that's where I'm at right now. So. I'm well, super if, close. If I could swing away, we could, you know, we can go have lunch sometime. I'm here for like the next week. But um, Oh, absolutely. We're stoked to have you here. All right, so quarantine, what's going So, Donovan, you just went on a road trip up to, to El Dorado Hills, drove up yesterday. But, Katie, what have you been yeah. doing to entertain yourself to fill the time um, as we've been shut down from baseball? Um, you know, I'd like to say that I have, like, found a new skill or, or did some soul-searching, um, decided what I wanted in life. But that would be a lie. I haven't really done much. You know, I'm thankful <laughs> We've really done a lot. Um, I'm thankful just to still have a job, to sell the platform. Um, there's no baseball, obviously, but there's still stories, um, especially stories that we never would have imagined at this point in time. So just counting my blessings to, to sell the platform to tell these stories and to stay busy and stay somewhat connected in this industry as we all kind of collectively figure out what exactly is going on. Now, I follow you on Instagram, and I saw, and we saw before uh, we started recording, uh, a new cat. I'm a cat guy. I'm like the crazy cat man. You know, <laughs> Do you, are you a foster mom? Is this a new? Is this a new cat? Or oh no, I'm a real, I'm a real cat mom. Um, it's, it's a funny story. I have fostered animals my whole life. Uh, my parents actually have five cats at home, and my dad has a work cat, so they have like six total. And my mom, I'm in my hometown right now. I'm living down the street for them from them. And my mom found this sweet little tiny kitten in the Sam's Club parking lot. And she's like, I love her, I, but we can't take her. We can't have this many cats. And then she looked at me and she was like, but you could. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I could. She's really cute. Uh, so that's been the highlight, I guess. Is she going to come home someday? And, and like, she's going to come over like, I found this little boy. And he was in the playground. And he needs a home. And you can have him. Probably, because I think she wants grandkids. But that's all my brother's responsibility. She is yeah. not going to get that from me anytime soon. All right, so back to baseball. Um, one of the items of news that came out this week was the cancellation of the MILB season. Pat O'Connor finally came out and they made the announcement that minor league baseball is officially not happening this summer. Um, so outside of that sentence, do we know what that means for minor league baseball going forward later this year? I think to, to put it lightly, um, it, it's a lot of just... Uh, there, it's a lot of just unsolicited territory. Um, obviously, just really devastating for for everybody, from the players to the teams to the employees to the fans to the milb.com staff. It's it was horrible news. Was it expected? Yes, kind of an inevitable situation. When you look at it from a practicality standpoint or feasibility standpoint, you know, there was just no way we were going to be able to have minor league baseball for for a variety of reasons. MLB is not providing the players. Um, Half of these teams, it's not practical for them to to operate without without fans. They'll lose money. Um, there's no way, above all, to keep anybody safe. Uh, minor league stadiums, especially you know, like the classic, the short seasons, they don't have the capability to or the advancements in the technology to be able to keep their players and their fans safe. So, yes, it was the right call, but that doesn't really stop it from hurting more. 
um, from it being disappointing. You know, you guys know you love your minor league baseball. Yeah. It's like truly, it embodies the sport, really. It's typical family fun, low-priced, crazy baseball. Yeah. Um, so to have that just was before we even talk about, you know, the, what it means financially, what it means for player development and career development, to not have a minor league baseball season this season is just really sad. So really the heart of, of, of Major League Baseball, I think, is obviously the minor leagues. And the heart of, minor, of, of baseball right now is has stopped. And, exactly. And, and some of those affiliates are, are not, you know, what Pat was talking about, is that they may not return. Or they mm-hmm. may return in some severe debt that may, maybe not this year, maybe the year after or in sometime soon, that they may not survive. Yeah, I saw that's, some interesting threads on, on Twitter where people were talking about um, so many things that so many developments in the sport of baseball and the business of baseball that came about through the minor leagues. So all of these promotions that we have and all of these special things, oftentimes these ideas came up in a minor league organization and then they caught fire and they wound up becoming an idea at the, the major league uh, level. Um, Sam, um Ben Hill had a really good thread about mm-hmm. all the things that baseball means to him and all of the, all of the things that, you know, minor league, like tell me what minor league baseball means to you. I took my wife on our first date to a Lake Elsinore storm game. So there are a lot of fond memories that we have there, but independent league baseball just started up this, this weekend. Uh, and so I'm curious a couple things about that. There's, there's been some talk that uh, major league baseball may release their players and allow them the minor league players to play in a independent league, unaffiliated ball. Um, have you heard any discussion about that, about how that would work? And if anybody's actually interested in doing it, I have, I've heard scattered discussions. Obviously it kind of feels like a whole bunch of storylines kind of just broke in the last three days, but that indie league one is, it's unusual. Um, Justin, the fact that it, it's kind of unheard of MLB doesn't usually release their players at all. And I, I really feel for these players right now that are not top prospects, that are not on the 60-man player pool, because at the end of the day, they want to play just as much as you guys want to watch, as I want to write, as fans want to go to the game. This is their livelihood. They actually probably want to do that way more than we do. Um, and there is no answer for them. They've kind of just been strung out and, and held without an answer, mainly because there really isn't one. Um, So the Indy League is a good suggestion as in players can face live hitters, you know, they can play live games, they can stay sharp, they can get their reps in. But what if they get hurt playing Indy League, you know? And that's a huge reason why these guys are so hesitant because if they get hurt playing Indy League, you know, that's on them. MLB is not going to be like, okay, you know, they're going to say, well, you you played Indy League, so what are we supposed to do about that? And I think that's the biggest, I guess, trepidation that these players are are getting, which is the ones that I've been able to talk to and connect with is – they don't want to get hurt. They're stuck in this like miserable fork in the road where we want to play and get better and develop because we're not going to have this opportunity opportunity to do so this season. But we also don't want to get hurt. We also don't want to blow the only chance we are going to have in our career right. by trying to do the right thing. You know. I saw uh, again on Twitter. I saw a minor league player reach out and said, "Hey, if you're in Orange County area and you want to come out and face some live reps," and he was trying to get a bunch of guys together. Just to get out and and face live pitching and you know pitch to live hitters and get out and track real fly balls, real ground balls, other than mm-hmm. working with your coach out on a dirt lot somewhere. Uh, so on the topic of independent league, another thing that's come up is the notion. So a topic that we've been talking about a lot for more than a year now is this idea of contracting the base, the minor league baseball, which 
is something I still have a hard time wrapping my head around. Um, but a side story to this is the idea of some of these independent league uh, facilities being folded into affiliated ball places like Sugarland and St. Paul, some of these nicer facilities. Um, what do you think of, of that whole shuffle? You know, I think whatever compilation they were going to do, because remember when uh, MLB was proposing cutting those 40 or so teams, a lot of them wouldn't have necessarily folded completely, but would have become some sort of variation of indie ball in itself. So it was going to be some sort of weird combination there. Um, whatever compilation they were thinking of is probably way on the back burner now, given how everything has played out in, in 2020. Um, unfortunately, the cancellation of this season means at least half, if not more, of these minor league teams are going to be suffering, and not just into 2021, but into 2022 and possibly 2023 as well. And it also gives kind of the leverage to MLB in cutting these 40 teams, you know, those teams like the Pioneer League or the Northwest League, um, mainly the, the ones that the, the draft picks go to in a short yeah. season ball. Because they have, there's multiple reasons there. You know, there's a shortened draft, um, and people are going to be hurting, teams are going to be hurting so to MLB, it would make sense to, to, to do that. So instead of maybe integrating indie ball and kind of those short season teams, I think that's kind of just been pushed aside as they kind of figure out what are they going to do with minor league baseball as a whole? Because it's not just the short season teams that are going to be affected. It's going to be teams like your favorite double A team, possibly even your triple A team if they're out somewhere kind of random. Um, and I think, you know, at, at work, we always say baseball will be back. Minor league baseball will be back, and it will be better, and we'll have a stronger collective appreciation for it. And I really, really do believe that. I really do believe that when minor league baseball comes back, it will kind of just put everything in the perspective for us if it hasn't already. But it will be different. I think we'll see uh, a lot less teams. I think some of these teams have played their last game, and uh, I think a lot of teams will have been sold, new ownership perhaps. It will be different. Um and that's something that I think we need to prepare for. So definitely a, an interesting, to say the least, situation as we see this play out financially, not even just talking about uh, player-wise or development-wise on, on what minor league baseball is going to do here. Yeah, it could go a million different ways. And what you touched on is important to note that Right now, with the financial struggles that everybody's going through, there are a lot of there are a lot of organizations, a lot of teams, a lot of franchises out there that are going to struggle. I mean, they're struggling to to pay their people. They're furloughing everybody. They're laying everybody yep. off. And when baseball turns back on, a lot of these organizations might not be able to to turn the lights on when when it, the time comes. They're going to have to look for help. So there was a, a JJ Cooper had an article. Uh, that talked on uh, it touched on the possibility of major league baseball going in and buying partial or majority ownership in some of these organizations which brings a whole different different branch of things into it so you're in vacaville i i did a quick search here about professional baseball in vacaville and it looks like there was a uh, a western baseball league uh team from 1999 to 2003 called the solano steelheads operating out of vacaville yes Yes, I spent, those are like my first baseball memories with Solano Steelheads. Um, that was like more minor league baseball than minor league baseball could really ever get. Um, it was insane. I, the city of Vacaville really messed that one up, and I could spend hours talking about how bad they suck for that, letting that team go. Um, but Vacaville does have, um, they're a part of the California Collegiate League. So um, I know that there's been a couple of, of collegiate leagues that have been able to take off. Texas Collegiate League, have you seen, you know, the AA teams in Texas have been hosting them. Um, no Cape Cod League, no California Collegiate League um, this year. But 
before I kind of started my career, I worked for the Solano Mudcats, um, and they were a summer collegiate team. They played at an old high school. Um, I'm talking like wooden benches. The field was always in really great condition, um, but the guys who did the field were great. Cheap, like, uh, cheap concessions, fights all the time on the field. It was so awesome as an 18-year-old girl. I got to call games, and I'm awful at play-by-play. Like, it, I was their PA announcer at one point. Uh, so, like Brock Meyer. There are things. <laughs> I did so, it all. I did their social media. It was really fun. Uh, talk about wearing mini hats. Real quick, so did that Bacchabilt, did the Steelheads play against, like, what I think around here now is the Sonoma Stompers? I think I follow mm-hmm. them on Instagram. Is that the same league, yeah? Kind of yes, they did play the Sonoma Stompers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, there's a funny story, guys. I don't know if you remember. Uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Kevin Mitchell played for the Giants and the A's, and then Jeffrey and Hunter the from Vacaville. Did he play for the Padres? Yeah. Gosh. yeah. That's my Bay Area bias. He always called me out for it. Um, <laughs> so he was playing under Jeff Leonard for Sonoma, and he actually he hit a home run first at bat, second home run, hit another, or second at bat, hit another home run, and the pitcher got mad, so they started yelling at each other, and there was actually a huge brawl. In which Kevin Mitchell punched someone in the face in the stands. Still this game. He is a large, yeah. large man. I'm sure one punch could do a lot of damage. Uh, yeah, they sold t-shirts. It was great. <laughs> I got punched in the face by Kevin Mitchell. <laughs> that's a, that's kind of a promotion that only those kind of leagues can do. You can minor league can't do a let's get punched in the face promotion. <laughs> maybe yeah. a bobblehead, but you know, maybe a shirt, like a shirt or something. Oh, like that, that'd be an like... amazing bobblehead. <laughs> Okay, so oh, awesome. let's talk about actual baseball that's really hopefully going to be played because as of what, yesterday, players started actually reporting to major league facilities and doing actual reps. Um, so you cover prospects for MLB.com. Um, is it MILB.com or MLB.com? It's MILB.com, but they're both under MLB Advanced Media. Okay. But technically... M-I-L-B.com. Gotcha, because I see your stuff come uh, out on through both <laughs> channels. But anyway, so the Padres have invited quite a few prospects to participate in this season in, in some form. We don't know what it's going to look like, but they're part of this 60-player pool. And the Padres probably invited more prospects than just about any other organization in all of baseball. Um, so I don't know how you want to chop all this up, but I know you've been looking at this too. Uh, what kind of... What do you think, where do you want to start with uh, going through this? Well, you know, as someone who got the uh, profile, the Padres pool prospect version, I can't say that I'm too happy about the uh, large pool that AJ Preller uh, obviously elected to. Uh, look, we know Preller has this long-standing affinity for prospects, so it really shouldn't have come as much a surprise that he took 18 out of the top 30, and that's not including Robert Hassel, who's going to be in their top 30, if not top 15. That's not including Cole Wilcox. Um, so you can genuinely say he took 20 of the top 30, and then he took the first 13. Only the Mariners have more in their, yeah. like, when it comes to their top section, I think they have 14. Um, but again, you know, not a surprise. We know that A.J. Preller loves his farm hands. So, and with a farm system as deep as the Padres, it makes sense that you want these guys to get as much development as possible. Um, and if you have guys you think are going to perform for your club and be a huge difference maker in the next one or two years, and then you think that highly of your draft picks, whether it's from this year or last year, I get why you want to keep them together. Um, I mean, 
you know, CJ Abrams barely got to play. He, he should be developing with the club. You know, right. your Ryan Weathers needs some development, so he should be with the club. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily surprising, I guess. When it, when I first saw the uh, uh, like initial amount of work I had to do, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got over that, it wasn't really surprising that the Padres went that way. So right, guys like Ryan Weathers and Joey Cantillo on the pitching side, chances are they're probably not going to get a chance to play. But if if enough things fall, I'll say the wrong way, they may be forced into action. And that's not unique to the Padres this year. So we may see some some deep reaches based on attrition. I mean, I could see uh, I mean, Taylor Chamel is almost definitely going to participate mm-hmm. this year, but I could see yeah. a, a scenario where somebody like Hudson Head gets called into action. Um, now, they just made an interesting roster move in the last last 24 hours or so uh jorge mateo was picked up on um mm-hmm. picked up via trade it's a player to be named later that we haven't you know, they might not settle that for months uh and Bravic right. valera was uh lost via waivers to um to the blue jays uh jorge mateo you you cover the a's you're right there i believe you mm-hmm. grew up an a's and giants fan uh what is your opinion of jorge mateo have you gotten much of a look at him Yes, so Jorge Mateo is a super speedy dude. He's uh, was really prized in the A's organization, but the the A's had such this position battle going on at second base that it made sense to kind of ship him off. I think that's a huge get for uh, for the Padres. He'll be in that top thirty, so I guess we can bring the total to twenty one. Um, I think that you know AJ Peller has this kind of like reputation for targeting prospects and then getting them back when he didn't get them in the first time, and this is uh, another example of that. Mateo will be just fine. He's a speedy middle infielder. Um, he's almost major league ready, you know, probably would have been in the majors at some point if we had a regular season. So just another kind of a learning prospect talent to keep your eye out on. I mean, I know that the Padres have a lot, but it's just one more really at the end of the day. So real quick to kind of go back to the, the prospect. So how, 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 how many of these prospects and, and not even just the Padres, but in, in all of major league baseball, how many do you think those guys are really going to get, uh, a, a shot or any decent amount of time on the major league roster. Roy, I know you just said that you can see a shot where maybe CJ Abrams gets a, a hit. I don't see that. I, I don't see, and maybe, you know, maybe for the catchers for the Padres, maybe Luis Torrens, if things go horrible with, with uh, Mejia or with Austin Hedges, but I don't see Joey Cantillo who's stepping one foot on the major league, on the major league uh, in Petco. I'm kind of with you there, uh, Donovan. I just feel like um, it will depend on so many things. The first thing being if there actually is an MLB season this year. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's say, you know, fingers crossed that there is and they figure out a way to do it safely and keep everyone's health in check. I think you're going to see it's really going to depend on the trajectory of the team. So the A's, we'll use them as an example. They have their top three prospects are all major league ready and Jesus Lizardo, AJ Puck, Sean Murphy. Those guys are going to, they're on the 40 man. They're going to benefit. They're going to oh, yeah. be a huge yeah. role in there. But if you're going from a, a giant standpoint, let's see, or a Padre standpoint, it would really depend even on, you know, on a 60 game season, even a team like the Mariners could contend. So it would really depend on where they are in the standings and who is healthy. So let's just say the Padres are, I don't know, they're in contention. Everyone is healthy. You're probably not going to see a lot of top prospects. The one that I think is the highest probability of joining that opening day roster is Taylor Trammell. Um, just because he had a fantastic spring. He was all, he was going to make get called up to the team at some point this year. Um, if, if someone gets hurt, God forbid, he's going to be the first one called up in the outfield. 
But if the Padres are going on the final 10 games and they're in a must-win situation and look at the pitching hasn't been so hot, that's, I think, when they'd be kind of forced to turn to Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino and be like, all right, you know, we're going for it. Because at the end of the day, a, a World Series or a playoff berth is a playoff berth no matter how, how yeah. you want to look at it. Um, teams are going to win. You, people who say there's going to be a little asterisk by the season, I think it's even harder to win now. Yeah. You know, everything has to go right for you. So maybe the asterisk will now make a good thing. I, but I really think it'll depend. I know most of these prospects are up here for development purposes. I mean, I, I don't see, obviously, you know, first-round draft pick this year is going to be in a major league game. Uh, they're mainly keeping, uh, I think, who they prize their development the most with together to kind of make sure that they stay on track, stay healthy, and they can take the best care of. But it would really depend on how, how far you want to go in that system on a factor of things, whether that's health, contention, uh, and if they need them or not. So right. kind of a right. toss-up for each team. You know, there are a couple of first-round players that I could see a scenario where they may wind up working their way into a major league action. I mean, Max Meyer um, was, mm. is, is a fairly – he's not polished, but he's got the, the crazy stuff that you could definitely put into a bullpen and use him if needed. And I even heard somebody say that Spencer Torkelson could hit – cleanup for the Tigers right now and the Tigers you look yeah, at their top fair. roster list I don't mean to, to rip on Emily Walden's uh you know parent club but their their system isn't all that great and their the top of their system is pretty shallow so I could see them you know rolling with somebody like that now Robert Hassel he, high school kid draftee he was added to the 60-man list for the Padres. I'm expecting them to add Cole Wilcox to the to their mm-hmm. list as well now Cole Wilcox he's a college pitcher uh He's got, he can touch a hundred miles an hour. He's got multiple off-speed pitches. Apparently there's a, sounds like there's a bunch of work that he needs to do to, to be polished major league ready, but he's not that far off. Um, so Mackenzie Gore, there were people talking about, he might, he might be on the opening day roster in this kind of a situation, especially if we see a couple of things happen during this, this ramp up, all these guys have to get healthy and strong and ready in three weeks to play. So I anticipate there's going to be a fair amount of, of, I mean, I don't want to predict it, but there's going to be injuries. People are going to get hurt because yeah. they haven't been yeah. going 100%. So one unusual thing that we're going to see this season is in extra innings. They're going to put a runner at second base to start each inning. And so have you seen, have you attended many minor league games where that was, where that rule was put in place? I have. And let me just tell you guys, like, I'm a traditionalist, I and I'm going to get a lot of flack from this. Uh, I don't believe in that extra runner BS. I don't believe in a universal DH. I don't like change. I got mad when there was a pitch clock, which literally doesn't affect the game in any way. Um, but I will say this, putting a runner on second base, and I'm telling you this from someone who has covered dozens and dozens of PCL games, that does not mean the game is going to end. Right, right. It does not mean the game ends. Um, I get why they would implement it this season. You know, you don't want people to get hurt. You need to save. You know, people need to be durable. This is a weird season. We don't want people getting injured for playing a 17 inning game. You know, I get that. But we have to remember that putting a runner on second doesn't mean that the game's going to end in the 10th or the 11th or the 12th. I've covered a game that's gone to like the 15th or 16th with that extra runner on. Um, I think it'll be interesting. You know, I'm all about embracing the weird this season. Uh, you know, I actually got this from Ben and Woods. You know how they say embrace the suck? Well, I totally yeah. stole that, and I'm saying embrace the weird. Uh, 
because it is so weird. Like, what, do you, what even is 2020? Right. What's going right. on? So I will throw my traditionalist uh, beliefs aside, and I will embrace it. I mean, I did it for, for the minors before. It's interesting. Um, strategy changes completely. So that's something that, you know, I at least could, could recognize and find a positive for. Uh, but, you know, putting the runner on second, again, does not mean that that game is going to end. It can still go forever on, which it has before. It's just something different, I guess, you know. Right. I really like the uh, – AJ Castleville has a great idea of, okay, extra innings, starting at the top of the lineup. All your oh, stars. I thought that was going to be his home run derby idea because right. that one well, is just so much. That That's way out of the grave. But, but, you, but he has a good point there where – Really, this year, embrace the weird. They have the data on the runner on second in the minor leagues. They know it doesn't work. It doesn't. Because I watch several games, and the first guy will bunt and he'll pop up, and then the second mm-hmm. guy will ground out. Or they'll walk the first guy in and, and set up a double play situation. Right. right. Yeah. Um, get get start every every inning at the top of the lineup. You want your stars to shine. You want those guys in clutch situations. Let's watch them perform. They're, you know, all those guys are getting paid the most money. So let's make your money. Start earning your cash and doing it that way. But that's just in the season of this weird, a uh, season of the weird. Nah, I, season of the weird for sure. That it, it's it's fun <laughs> and it makes for good TV to do this kind of stuff. I'd rather just see the game end in a tie. You know, let them play, say three extra innings, and if it's still tied after twelve. So be it. We'll all go home. And back in the day before they had lights, they used to call games on account of darkness. So you go back and there are plenty of ties. I I saw there was a game that went more than 20 innings and the starting pitchers went the entire distance and it ended in a tie. Can you imagine how disheartening (laughs) that would be? That would make me sad to write. I wouldn't want to talk to either of those guys because that must be so frustrating. So so the Padres have... I think seven guys, they have 52, um, mm-hmm. 52 men roster. The, the flexibility there, so, so why not put all 60 there? Is there, are, are there deals being done? Are they going to add more prospects, do you think? And is, are the Padres the only team that are doing that? There's actually a bunch of teams that haven't filled their, their 60 man roster. And I think everyone's just kind of like, seeing how this is all going to play out. Um, I know like we obviously don't need to be reminded that this has never happened before. And this is a very uh, strange time in our lives. And that includes sports. Uh, I think for the Padres sake, um, you know, AJ Peller is always doing something that is just like typical AJ Peller things. So maybe there's a deal. Maybe they're just kind of figuring out on who, if they would rather have a more kind of expendable mind, like journeyman as in like, uh, you know, uh, Seth Frankoff or, bringing another prospect in. I noticed yeah. that Hudson Potts wasn't on that list. So maybe yeah. they just still haven't made those decisions yet. Right. Um, and there's still time. So we'll see. I know that there's plenty of teams, the Giants, um, the Orioles still have like maybe 10 spots left. I don't even think that there's been one with maybe the Dodgers have their complete 60 person okay. team out. Um, it, it's not rare though. People are still trying to figure things out as best as they can. I really don't envy those uh, team personnel or player development guys right now. Right. Well, and you would think that, you know, a couple of weeks into the season, everyone's staying healthy. They're kind of getting through games without having to do too much, you know, too, too much craziness where, all right, so I think we're going to be good. Let's add some more minor league guys or, hey, you know, it's not going that well. We're kind of running through players a lot. Uh, you know, let's make some deals or let's add a little more depth, uh, you know, a little more major league ready players. So it is it does give that flexibility. I just I just found it kind of, you know, just found it kind of weird. 
Well, there's still Everything a is weird, guys. <laughs> there's still a lot of guys out there that were unsigned for spring training. You know, veterans that were looking for yeah. work, mm-hmm. and those guys are still ready. They're still healthy, ready to go. I even heard an idea that they want to put together a team of 30 guys and isolate them in Tennessee. I believe it was where the Smokies play and have them train throughout the whole season as an additional pool, like a free agent pool for the major league teams to be able to draw from. Katie, have you heard about that? I didn't hear that. I did. And it wasn't in Nashville and it was uh, just kind of like a free agent league uh, where guys that weren't sure what they want to do or haven't been picked up by a team or, you know, elected to not play, whatever the variation of reasons there are, just go out and play against each other just to stay, just to stay healthy. Can you imagine that somewhere like, you know, you're just walking up and you see Yachtel Puig in this free agency league? That'd be so awesome. Like, obviously the circumstances are not awesome, but... And I've been to that Smoky Stadium and I've been to to Nashville too. Those, you know, those are really isolated places in the country. All the cases are kicking up a little bit in Tennessee. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, wear your mask, guys. Right. Wear a mask, please. I, um... Yeah, every time we we have been really good about wearing a mask, and uh, it's funny at home we were spending all day at home, only going out to get groceries. Uh, and this time we've gone out to dinner three times. The last time it was just weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was safe, everyone had masks, but it just I felt like it just didn't feel right. I didn't feel right. safe. I just got done with surgery, um, but I come here and then my uh, my my sister in law's son's boss got sent home from work today because he was exposed to someone that may have been uh, exposed to COVID. So it's like COVID uh, three times removed. So I just came into a potentially COVID situation. Degrees of separation with COVID. Don't believe in that. Oh my God. Yeah. Parts of this country why we drove through, like no one believed was wearing masks. And I was like, oh my God, just keep going. Just keep going. (laughs) Exactly. Just get out, get out of here. So okay, you're so, safe with, with, with work. You're everyone everyone in MILB has is, is been safe. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, our Tyler Bonds, your Ben Benjamin Hill guys. Um, for now, uh, that that changes all the time. I will say this: the MILB.com staff. One, and this is not a shameless plug. I really do believe this is that whole group is some of the most nicest, kindest, talented, just awesome human beings and the way that the editorial staff has handled this period of uncertainty since spring training shut down it's unmatched um i'm thankful to work for some really really good people that you know understand they don't have any answers but keep us in the loop regardless uh to be able to to keep us for for so long even when we kind of knew in may that there wasn't going to be a season um and we have still been able to and i'm taking myself out of this is not like a, a a push on me the site has been able to produce some truly fun and creative stories where there hasn't been any baseball. And that's just a testament yeah. to how hard they work. Yeah. Um, so no matter what happens, because anything can happen at this point, I'm just really thankful to to work there and to have the opportunity to get to know these people um, and to still be able to tell stories and try and bring a little bit of positivity as much as they can. Well, Donovan, Absolutely. I think what I, you were what you were alluding to there, I think, was that we haven't heard stories of people, uh, your know, writers in the industry that have contracted this disease. Um, but so 
John Sickles has been one of my favorite prospect writers for a long time. He ran minor league ball for a long time, and now he's on the uh, the fantasy side at The Athletic. And he's been fighting some kind of an illness for a while. I believe he tested negative, uh, but it's the way that he describes it. It sounds like he thinks he, he has it or had it at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recently the story came out that Cubs pitching coach Tommy Hatovi has he was diagnosed positive and he went i mean he was hospitalized and everything he went through the ringer so my hope is you don't want anybody to get sick but when somebody close to you somebody in your circle in your bubble does then you certain you start to take it a little more seriously um so hopefully a scare like that is a, a message out to the guys that are rolling in right now that hey you guys need to be careful no going out hitting the club no hanging out with people that have been out doing god knows what right. uh, we need to take this seriously to keep everybody healthy here okay so no, i agree let's get back to these the the list the the players that the padres have in their camp um and i just want to go through by group and kind of break them down um so the pitchers we've got luis patino mckenzie gore joey cantillo ryan weathers and cole wilcox we've mentioned all of them um would you be able to to list them in order in where you how quickly you think we might see them this year like the chances of of playing yes um Gore is the first for, for yeah. obvious reasons. That is only if, um, you know, God forbid something happens with the Tommy John trio or, um, you know, let's say, I, I mean, I don't even want to say player things. I don't want them to, to kind of like speak into existence that they'd be hurt. Don't but something jinx happens it. in that rotation. Don't jinx no, it. Never. Never. <laughs> uh, so let's say something happens in the rotation or, you know, like we talked about it before, they're like in contention playing for a playoff spot. That's when you see Gore. And maybe Patino, and you'd probably see Patino in a bullpen role. Uh, then a very, 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 very far drop of probability you get to, I think, Ryan Weathers and Joey Cantillo, and not, I don't even think they put Cole Wilcox in there. I, I They're like point zero 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 one percent they get in there. But Gore and Patino, pretty high chance, uh, just depending on where the Padres are standing at that point of the season. So... Mackenzie Gore, I it wouldn't surprise me to hear two weeks from now that they're looking around and they're thinking that he might be one of the best five or ten pitchers that they have in camp. And they could be looking at it if we really want to contend this year and we need to go guns out because, like you said, they're only playing a third of a season. So every game means three times as much. You want your mm-hmm. best guys out there. I could see a scenario yeah. where they may put Mackenzie Gore in, whether he's in the rotation or or, or whatever role. Catchers. We've got three catchers, Luis Campusano, Luis Terenz, and Webster Rivas. O'Donnell also, has a point. Real quick, real quick before you answer that, Katie. Um, seven days, and they still have to keep any minor leaguers off the roster for seven days so they get a full year of service time. So they're, no, one's making the roster, no one's making the roster out of opening day unless someone gets hurt or, you know, COVID just, well, we won't even, we won't even know if they get COVID. So if they, right. test, if they test positive, they're like, okay, uh, you know, Jose, you know, such as always off, um, he's off the roster. Well, we're going to know that he must have tested positive. Right. Just exactly. Test. Just kind of like the steroid list. Like we're going to test all you guys. We're not going to tell anyone that you, that you failed the test. So it is, there's seven days that, um, you know, seven days where they have to be off the roster and they get a full year. So I, I see the same thing there, right? Well, last sorry, year, last year we thought we weren't going to see <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. and Chris Paddock until until yeah. the end of April, and there they were on the opening day. The, yeah. They were starting yeah. on opening day. Uh, so catchers: Luis Campusano, Luis Torrens, Webster Rivas. They're the depth behind Hedges and Mejia right now. Uh, 
Campos, uh, Torrens is already on the 40-man roster, um, so he'd mm. obviously be the next man up. But between Webster Rivas and Luis Camposano, they're very, two very different guys. Um, I think the Padres would elect to go with Webster Rivas just because Camposano had such a breakout year. Like, Don't get me wrong, that was a standout year in Lake Elsinore where he really just kind of broke the mold and kind of transformed into the hitter that I think the Padres always believed he could be. But he still has some things to work on. Um, he has such a powerful arm, but he only threw out, I think, maybe 23% of base runners last year. Um, there's still a bunch of developing that he needs to do. He's only 21. Um, so, again, I don't you know that the Padres value their prospects just as much, if not more, than uh, almost any other team in baseball. With someone like Camposano, who could likely be the catcher of the future um, and is probably going to replace Hedges and Mejia sooner rather than later, they probably don't want to rush him into anything um, just because they, they prize his development so, so highly. So I wouldn't expect to see him really anywhere near there. Torrens would probably be the best bet. Okay. Mm. So the next group I have here is the infielders. We've got CJ Abrams, Gabriel Arias, Tuco Pita Marcano, and Owen Miller. Okay. Uh, Gabe Arias is my, uh, he's my sleeper. Yes! Oh. He's my sleeper. Um, I, the Padres really like him if his surprise non-roster invite was any testament to that. Uh, I don't think they'll get to that point. They have obviously the Padres have a very strong infield. Um, but, you know, let's just say things get weird, which even weirder than they already are. Gabe, Gabe Arias would be the first one, I think, out of that group. Um, he's just raw talent. I would go from that. And he is so he's so friendly to the podcast. He, uh, he's such a great guy. Um, I, I would pick Owen Miller. I mean, I, obviously, Gabriel Arias is, is, is close to our heart. But Owen Miller, I think, you know, and the, and the Mateo trade really did surprise me because Miller isn't that far off. He had a pretty good mm-hmm. year. And Double A was certainly going to start in Triple A in – if we're going to go weird, why not give him a shot? Why not let him get some innings? Um, and that still could be a possibility with Owen Miller. I already forgot about Mateo. Um, he would be the one that I put in there. <laughs> well, so he's, my answer, but it would be the first one. Right. We didn't put him on that list. He's on the 40-man <laughs> roster. He's, he's out of options. And so he's either making the active roster or he's gone. Right, or he's gone. Um, yeah, I, that's, I agree. Um, some sort of tosses. I think it would go Mateo and then anywhere between Miller and Arias. But, you know, I don't know. I, I'm big on him. I like him. I see Miller. I see his future role being some kind of a, of a backup infielder, you know, rotating mm-hmm. second, third, shortstop. He can play all three positions. He can play some first base. Uh, and the guy can flat out hit where yeah. – Arius, his strong tool is the defense at shortstop, and he's got the power, and he's got such crazy yeah. athleticism. Um, he's he's definitely more raw. Where Owen Miller, he looks pretty polished already. It's just a matter of you know refining the last couple of rough edges and finding an opportunity for the guy. Uh, do you have you ever seen Tucapita Marcano play? Just on uh, the very um, sometimes not so great quality of MILB TV. Um, I've not seen him play in person. No. He's he, you talk about baseball instincts and aggressiveness and that's yeah. what stands out to me when I've watched him play is that he's always eager to take the extra base when a play is going on on defense he's thinking ahead he's always a step ahead and he knows like you watch you watch how Fernando Tatis Jr. reads an infielder when he catches the ball which way he starts to turn he knows where the infielder is going to throw and I feel like Marcano has those kinds of instincts that kind of intuition intuition uh, he just he's he's a light hitter. He's going to hit for average. Yeah. He's going to get on base. But right now he's a slap hitter. Uh, but I love seeing him included with this group. And then finally the outfielders. We've got 
uh, Taylor Trammell, Hudson Head, and Robert Hassel. They're three very, very different guys, but three guys with a lot of talent. Three different guys at three very different levels of their career, obviously. I mean, we talked about Taylor Trammell. He's going to run away with that one. I know you guys love Hudson Head. I actually haven't gotten a chance to, to kind of dive into him too much, but from just talking to the members of player development, you know, they're big on him too. Uh, I think the outfield for the Padres is in good hands for the upcoming future. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, it's really early to kind of project what uh, Robert Hassel will turn into. He's, what, 17, 18? Look, yeah. not a lot of people make me feel old when I see them. <laughs> but I saw his picture, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, I mean, Taylor Trammell, stand-up guy, stand-up athlete. He'll yeah. get in there. I really yeah. think that he, you yeah. know, service time aside, would be on that opening day roster. Yeah, and I really feel that Trammell has the makeup and the – and then just he's in the, he's in fit right in. There may be mm-hmm. you know slight performances, uh, you know different performances because that's what happens when minor league guys come up. But the I think he has a makeup and and an ability to just kind of work through that and, and and you know and then just start and rock it and rock it from there. So let let's my question is so we get through the major league season. What happens next after the season? What do you think instructions going to look like? Is is you know fall league gonna be? Are we gonna have our? Um, is every team gonna? Are they gonna expand the fall league? Or is every team gonna have more players? Or how's that gonna work? What do you guys think? Um, I mean, I don't know about you, Roy, but unfortunately for the fall league, it's in Arizona, um, which is not a, a good place to be right now. Uh, talking about COVID, of course. Uh, I. I think the ideal situation is a more developed instructs league and expanded okay. fall league, but uh, obviously environment and where this disease is at the time is going to play a huge factor in that. So we, I don't even think that prospects can even tell themselves that there's going to be a, an AFL that they can go to, or there's going to be an instructs league. There's going to be a whole bunch of guys competing for these really rare chances to play Dominican winter ball. Um, I think that's the best chance they can do. I think what minor league baseball players can collectively hope to do is hope that Arizona gets its life together and there can be a safe way to have an AFL or extended or expanded version of that. I don't know. What do you think, Roy? You know, what you brought up about the Dominican League is interesting because you've got all the, all the Caribbean leagues, the Dominican, Mexican, in Venezuela, uh, Panama. Um, I, what I'd like to see is some sort of a, of a winter league spread out among all the southern states. So you've got faci- you got college Ooh. and you've got minor league facilities in Southern California, in Texas, uh, you know, even areas of like Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, where it's still warm enough to play in the wintertime. So I would love to see them put together something just to keep because I feel for the guys that their development is being stunted in a way this year that you know, they mm. can go out and throw bullpens and they can go hit in a hitting machine. But there's no replacement for for real life situations. So I, I hope that they come up with some way to 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 breathe some fresh life into that yeah. before we come around to next yeah. spring. Otherwise, you're just telling everybody to you prepare like it's already the off season and it's going to be another yeah. six months of off season until we see you in March. Yeah, I, you know, and it's because you look at what's going on in Florida and the NBA is getting ready to ramp up. I think uh, like nine guys tested positive which isn't too bad for the NBA, but just knowing how Florida is and it's just like really going to be bad. I just, I'm not sure if the NBA is going to be able to get away with it. I don't know if any sport will, honestly. Right. Well, Katie, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, really good stuff. Yeah. What do you Make have? What are you, you're working on something coming up here. What are you working on right now? Yeah. 
Um, so I, I do, um, our site is launching a kind of overview look at each team's prospect pool. Um, so we'll have some Padres one out hopefully early next week. I'm working on some features right now uh, involving the Texas League and how they've kind of incorporated the Texas Collegiate League. Um, obviously, you guys know the Assad Poodle. Yeah. Two teams. Yeah. Um, so that's something, you know, like we talked about, something interesting and fun that I normally wouldn't have the opportunity to write about. And then, of course, all of my colleagues at MILB.com are, are doing some incredible work. We actually, uh, obviously, you guys are in a podcast. If you want to listen to our, our one we believe today, it's every person on the staff and a bunch of top prospects. I think they got 12 talking about what minor league baseball means to them. I'm not a soft person by any means, but it was actually like a very emotional uh. thing to listen to. <laughs> So that's um, Tyler Mon yeah. and Sa- uh, Tyler and Sam, right? Not the show yep. before the show podcast. Yeah, that's on yeah. my. That's I, it's, I'll I'll listen to it probably in the next few days. Get some Kleenex. It's a good one. Oh my god! You know it's funny. Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, you know the writers at MILB. I, I ran into Sam in the winter meetings, and I was like, the guy's like twenty years younger. Than I'm I'm fifty. He's like maybe thirty. I think he just turned thirty. Tyler, I think, is a little bit older. And I was like, starts I'm like Sam Dystra. Hey, Donovan Jones, Friars of the Farm. He's like, hey, dude, how you doing? I'm like, hey, I love your podcast. No, I know. I was like, you know, he's like, you have to come on my podcast. He's like, 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 yeah, dude. Yeah, just let me know. All right, make your digits, you know. And uh, I just love those guys. I just heard um, Tyler Mon on, um, God, I can't remember the podcast. It's a it's a former uh, major league pitcher, Australian guy, where uh, it's really good. Um First pitch or something like that. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. They're but, both uh, so talented. Oh, absolutely. So we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, stay safe in Vacaville. Uh, long distance hug your way or high five. <laughs> long or whatever distance you hug to both of you guys. Thank you for having me on. I love your passion and your knowledge for the game. It's a great conversation every single time. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you cool. so much. Cool.